You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the After Laugh. We have an interesting guest today. This is unlike any other guest we've had before. But I've talked to this guy, I've hung up with this guy. We're friends. You got a story, man, and people should know. So I don't even know your last name. Dan. What Dan, is your last name? Dan Green. Dan Green. How you doing, I don't know Bill? why. I know you're Australian, but I was expecting something like exotic. Like Watiti or something, like some Maori name. Anyway, um yeah, Dan Green, Green. Green with no E, mate. Unfortunately, that's about as exotic as it's gonna yeah. get. Dan Green. So, um, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I've had a great couple of days. Yeah? It's been a good week. Why is that? Things are just going in the right direction. So, uh, Dan is, uh, people, he is a a new comic. How, how long have you been doing it? About, just uh, about a year and a half. Year and a half. But really, seriously, about seven months. Seven months. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, when I first met Dan, he's, he's a, he's this, we don't have a visual on this. Right. He's a big boy. Yeah, I haven't missed a meal. <laughs> Mr. Meal, an Australian, and he, you know, he 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 runs. We've had a lot of bouncers at the Laugh Factory. You're not the bouncer. That's not the correct word. Well, you're security. I, 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 yeah, you work I, the door, and you're security. It's like a bunch of things. What is it? Yeah, I, I, a lot of a lot of door hosts can't fight, and and I came from a from a bouncer setup back for about 17 years, yeah. and I can do both. So you work as a as a host, door host, and as security double. So let's let's get. How did you get the story as a door host at the Laugh Factory? How did I get the job? Yeah, a uh, good friend of mine, GC Calvigo. He's uh, Lives out here. He had a hookup with uh, with Jay Davis. Uh-huh. Uh, he's friends with Jay Davis, and Jay Davis. Five days after I got to LA, back in August, uh-huh. uh, went and had drinks with him how'd down you, the road. How did you get hooked up with Jay? For GC. GC called Jay and said I got oh, a friend okay. in town. I didn't know I was looking at a job. So, so Jay hired you. Jay hired me. Well, at the same time, they were having some changeover at the uh, Laugh Factory. They needed a new guy anyway. Yeah. And I just walked in the door the right week. You walked in the door the right week. Yep. They, they looked at you and they said, "What's your experience?" Well, I threw about 10 jacks jack and cokes down there with jay at the naughty pig yeah i knocked in uh i knocked in a t- told a few big fish stories and it all worked out all right and so he hired you at the naughty pig pretty much that's how it works in hollywood go to the right bar the right meet the right people get drunk with the right people get drunk and tell the right stories tell the right stories um so then you hired and you showed up to, now obviously have you worked at a comedy club before as a no security not guy? at a comedy club i've worked uh, what's the difference between working at the door at a comedy club versus a club or a bar uh less stabbings Less stabbings. Less stabbings is a big major difference right there. <laughs> less stabbings is a good start. I'm assuming at the Laugh Factory there's been zero stabbings. Zero stabbings at the Laugh Factory. Uh, less violence. Less Above violence. all, le- a total total lack of violence at comedy venues. Yeah. Provided you-, you do it right. I mean, you, you can, with that kind of crowd, you make sure you filter out the violence before it even gets in the door. You can, yeah. you, you can judge people. I mean, before you stop working here, yes. and before your comedy career blows up and you stop working here, this is there will be violence. There's always a little. On my bit first of week, someone tried to hit me with a chair. What? Yeah. Why did that happen? Uh, in the in the front lobby there, at the Love Factory. So just a uh, uh, how kid. Come? Well, he was doing all right. He was he, he was he was having a bit of a sit-in protest about being thrown out. He wasn't very happy, so he sat down in the lobby, and then he's like Indian uh, style. Indian style. Uh, he was from Texas too, which is funny. It was my first week here. Was and he then, a big uh, boy? No, he was. He's a medium size. Yeah, he's a medium size. He well, everyone's medium sized to you, so he'd be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, he uh, then his girlfriend came back in the room, and I was like, ah, oh, shit, now everything's going to change. Because oh, because the women because the instigate woman, the most, don't they? The woman they? is there, and that changes everything. You hear that, everything. ladies? You women got to shut the fuck up when your guy's in trouble, because it's going to spur up his ego. It's all your fault. A jockey will try and fight me as long as his missus is standing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I used to do back in the day in Houston is just whisper in someone's ear, I know you've got a safe face. Tell me to fuck off when we when we we break up. Tell me to fuck off, and I'll let you leave out of here without a problem. Yeah, yeah, that's great. No, I'm giving you a way out to get home. Otherwise, you're just gonna get nagged off all the way home. I can't believe you're <laughs> such a fucking goddamn pussy. We'll, we'll get we'll get to your your your, your sorted backstory, but before that, I want to hear. So the guy, so the guy in the chair. Uh -huh. So there, the guy picks up the chair, and I, I, I think he was going for. It was like a stool. Stool. Yeah. yeah. But you have very, very, very light stools in California. Apparently, there isn't too much throwdown, knocker, and fights out here. Yeah, they're not like Texas bar stools are made of steel. They're you not road. Oh shit! It's like doing CrossFit trying to get into a bar fight. So I they mean, drill them into the ground, Texas, because no, no, they know not people. drilling the ground. They're just heavy. They're, oh, okay. they're heavy steel, heavy gauge steel. Mm. So you better be able to lift before you throw one of them around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, these ones you can pick up with one hand. He just picked this thing up. I think he was going for the display cases. I think he wanted to send a message. He must be drunk out of his mind. Oh right? shit! Out. Yeah. And then he spun around and and uh, we had a little we had a little girl, one of our managers underneath next to us, uh -huh. who's a small girl. And then after she was in the fire line of this thing, I went, nope, just grab the grab, grab the thing in the middle of the air, took it out of his hands. Yeah. And then he gradually made his way to the door, assisted. Assisted by you. <laughs> assisted. Now, when you assisted him, is that by? Do you grab fabric? Do you grab like no. neck? Do you do the ears like the old Jewish mom? No, mate, it's all it's all just leverage points. Do you, wrists like and wrists, bear wrists, hug? Wrists, wrists, elbows, oh, wrists. and shoulders. All right, so we want to get back to how you became this sort of badass. Not a badass at all. Oh, just that's lucky. what badasses say. Just lucky. Okay, so you grew up in Australia. Grew up in Australia. And you, where in Australia? A little place called Walker Road has 31 people in it. Holy shit, and that's a town? That's a town. Well, it's a, it's an intersection, really. Do you say Walker Road? Walker Road. Road. So well, a town is named after a road. After a road, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that road's not anywhere around there. That's the worst thing. It's a highway that runs that intersects with it. Is so, it yeah. still there? Is it on, is it's it still there, fire? yeah. Okay. There's, there's a police station there, there's a pub there, and a railway station. Railway station. But and there's industry? People have jobs there? Yeah. I mean, or they well, have to drive well, hours? Oh, there's a lot of grazing around the area. It's sheep country. There's a lot of... Uh, so your dad was a sheep farmer? No, my dad was the cop. He was the cop? Yes. Wow. He was the cop. Now, did, were, was there crime? What type of crime was happening? In Domestic Walker violence. Road? A lot of that kind of Domestic thing. Domestic violence. Was yeah. it fueled by a drug uh, problem? Just, no, just fueled by, uh, obviously, alcohol and... Yeah. Anytime farming is involved, obviously, people are going to be up and down. That one, that one year you're rich, the next year it doesn't rain and you're fucked. So and I didn't know that. So that's kind of how it works with that. I mean, obviously... I In think a farming county, like, domestic abuse is depends high. on the weather. Depends on the weather. Yes. Wow. Interesting. So, but, like, you know everybody there. So domestic... All, everybody knows Bob everybody, again. yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. But at the same time... Uh, he was a tough man, my dad. I mean, he, I mean, back in those days, we didn't have too many guns in Australia, so we don't have the. A lot of the crime is physical. Yeah, and yeah, I learned so a lot. So, because people love a little bit of history here about Australia, when was the gun ban enforced and instituted, and how did that come about? Because a lot of people keep going, "Well, they do it in Australia," and everyone goes, "Yeah, but Australia has a, what like eight million people?" Early nineties or late eighties, but I mean, we still have guns in Australia. You do? Yeah. I mean, but you don't have assault rifles? What, or we what, don't is... ha what we don't have, what we got rid of, 
Now, before you get all gun crazy on me, I sold guns retail in Texas for two years, so yeah. I don't mind blowing shit up. Yeah. I got no problem with that. But what we got rid of, and we're happy to get rid of, was all the semi-autos. We got rid of anything that could fire multiple rounds quickly. Now, is that different than a, an assault rifle? Well, it's different with any kind of rifle. I mean, any kind of rifle can be a semi-auto. Yeah, right. It doesn't have to be assault rifle. It's just the ability to continue to pull the trigger. Which is most trigger, guns, is my understanding. Yeah, which is most guns. We got rid of those. We got rid of auto-loading shotguns, and we got rid of handguns was the major one. You got rid of handguns too? Well, you can have one. You can have one. You've just got Don't to be able to... Yeah, the, yeah, you the can cops have, get really here that you can, you, <laughs> The cops called on me already. Um, you, you can, can have hand one, one you can't but use you've it. got to be able to leave it at a pistol club. That's where you check it. So it stays at the pistol club, and then you go there to shoot it. That's how it works. Oh, okay, so it's purely recreational. Right, and if you, you don't have to, guns for defense, if you want to own no, if you want to own a rifle, uh -huh. or a bolt action rifle or something like that, you have to have an education course and a permit with a couple of verifications from landowners of where you're going to hunt. If you don't have that, you don't need it. So there's no guns for self-defense. Oh, interesting. Now, bad guys still get guns, yeah, sure. Of course. But bad guys kill bad guys, and I'm fine with that. There's, I mean, that's always the big argument. It's like, if guns are banned in America, then the people who have the gun will be well, the criminals, and then... You don't get to do that here. You, you had your chance 20 years ago. Now you've got too many of them. Oh, way too many. There's, I think there are more guns no. than people in, in America. You, your better chance now is education. Mm -hmm. And it's what I saw when I used to sell ARs. I used to sell AR-15s for a living. That was my, one oh, wow. of my jobs. And Which everyone wants to ban in America. Now everyone wants to most ban. of the mass shootings are ARs. Uh -huh. And it's funny, I used to sell bottle service at nightclubs. So I just rolled that customer base who were crazy enough and dumb enough to spend 3000 a night on champagne. Well, you're crazy enough and dumb enough to spend, the not, spend money on the next <laughs> AR-15 rolling off. And that was what I did. Just rolled the entire VIP list into selling rifles. And it worked. So when you were at the, at the club, you yeah. would say, you have a gun? And you just kind of like put it out oh, there? Oh, no, yeah, I worked both jobs at once. Yeah, when well, I'm working the front door of a nightclub and I'll be sitting there going, oh, Dan, what are you doing now? I'm selling these. Look at this. Oh, oh wow. wow, that's cool as shit. Yeah. And they'd come by the next day. Hey, you should come by the store. No, no, I wouldn't even tell them to buy it. I'd say, come by the store, because I know if I get you in there, I'm going to get you to buy something. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's really cool. But, so, but when you buy an AR, here's the big one. You get a book with it. What do you think's in the book? Um, pictures of Mexicans to shoot? Close. What? It's, it's not an instruction book. It's a warranty. So you buy an AR with no instructions on how to use it. Okay. What goes wrong when, the, when it goes click and doesn't fire? None of that. People are learning this shit off YouTube, okay? Well, how to use it, you mean? How to use the fucking thing, okay? How to <laughs> pull it apart, how to use it, everything about it, all that stuff, okay? Is all off people's bootleg YouTube videos. Now, oh. you watch the wrong damn YouTube video, you're learning bad habits to start with. And you wow, see a that lot sounds of them, crazy. You see a lot of them when you go to the range and you'll see these guys come out with all this shit and then suddenly, then yeah. suddenly they're, uh, they're unsafe as fuck. So I don't know much. Of, I don't know much about. My dad was military. But I don't know much about guns, but I always thought that you had to go through some instru instructional training to a degree to get licensed to use a gun. No, not at all. Not at all. I could just go to Walmart right now and buy a gun. I don't, about, I don't know how it works in California, but in Texas, in Texas, yes. absolutely. With a Texas ID, yes. Yes. And a clean background, sure. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to let's get to walk walk yeah. road. So you're a kid, you're only child, brother, sister, no, little sister. She's little sister. Uh, two years younger than me. Uh, can't imagine the poor guys that wanted to date her. Uh, my sister's the tough as hell, man. She knocks, <laughs> she's good. She's got three little kids now. And her oh, husband shit. lives around the corner from my parents. She keeps the heat off me. They don't worry about what I'm doing because they got something to look at over there. Yeah, that's great. So uh, what the fuck did you do in a little sheep? Did you ever fuck a sheep? Let's be honest. No, let's not. No. But, I did, but we had a kid at our school who did, though. I mean, I know that's the stereotype about New Zealand You know what they nicknamed that kid for five years? <laughs> 
I'm going to go with sheep fucker. <laughs> Wait, was that a, was that a fake? Was that a real story? It was a real story. Well, it, it was real enough when you're when you're 12 years old. You, you heard it. Anything. It's like Richard Gere with the, the it's gerbil like up his Gere's asshole. Gerbil. You're like, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. makes sense. It's possible. Yeah, he's got beady eyes. I buy it. He's in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's, it's cold. So, what would you what would you do as a kid? Like, I played a lot of rugby. Oh, uh, we in the front yard. I played a lot of rugby and cricket. A lot of sports. There's a lot of outside because we grew up with one TV channel. Yeah, that's why Australians. Are what was it? So was it BBC or something? No, it was ABC in Australia. That's mm -hmm. why Australians. And we got, then we got two channels. I remember we got two channels, and we're like, all right. Yeah, but it's still no different. You're watching what Dad watches. If he's not watching TV, then you're outside doing outside. It is LA. Am I allowed to ask your age? Yes. How old are you? I turned 43 last week. 43. So, and there was only two channels when you were a kid because that's not that old. I, no, I it's thought, not. Like, yeah. No, it's Amazing. not. But you learn a lot that way. I mean, did a lot of reading. You read. Watched a lot of news. So it's kind of like what how a childhood should be, really. Really, yes. Yeah. No cell phones, obviously. No, I mean, you had the old phone on the, mate, on the rotary my near, phone. My nearest McDonald's was an hour and a half away. For until I turned about twelve, uh -huh. the only fast food I got was reheated in the oven. My McDonald's was cooked in the oven, reheated <laughs> from an hour and a half away. It was Pizza Hut, KFC, and McDonald's, and my old man would call the house from a payphone. But that was like a treat. You didn't get that. Yeah, that much. he'd be like, "What do you guys want? I'm coming back in from this town. Okay, yeah. cool. No worries. I'll so take that. let me ask you this, because you're like I said, you're a big boy. So were you always like? As big as you were? No, I had a growth spurt at about 15. How tall are you? Six for three. Six for three. Um, and I'm going to go with, let's do a little carnival guessing your weight. I'm going to go with 6'3". I'm going to go with uh, 280. Conservative. A bit more. Probably around You're three? Oh, I'm a 320. 320, fuck. But I was always solid. Oh, yeah, 280 is a little Yeah, 320, 320. I want to be around about 260. You know what's so funny about that? I remember when I was watching football as a kid, there was a... Uh, a guy named Walter Perry, they call him The Fridge. He paid for the Chicago yes, Bears. And he was like supposed to be the biggest guy. It was like 84, right? Yeah. And he's, he's 300 pounds. Like that was considered huge. Now 300 pounds is small for NFL. There's a guy, there's two guys I met through my club work and who are literally very, a lot of these football players just look big with pads. Yeah. And they're not really that big. Eric Winston, he used to play for the Texans. I think he oh, yeah, played for Minnesota as well. He's a genuinely fucking the size of that door. He is wow. huge. Yeah, and Mario Williams, oh, yeah. uh, who ended up in Buffalo for 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 Texas. I mean, massive man. Yeah. And uh, I was asking Vince Young one night. I said, "Who's the most frightening pass rusher you've ever played against?" And he said, "Mario." He said, it "Looks like a second story building running at you." Oh shit! That's amazing. <laughs> so you were you're now. I guess when you're a kid and you live, was there like the dream of I'm going to be a professional rugby player? It's uh, not Australian rules no, football. No, was, that wasn't even something I thought about at the time, playing, playing rugby at a high level or anything like that. No. Um, I wasn't that great a player, to be honest. When yeah. I went, I, I was all right, but I wasn't at any kind of elite level at all. Yeah. Then I went and joined the Army. So, you're, so you, you go through high school. You're, mm -hmm. you're an okay student, good student? I'm okay, but I kind of blew last year out my ass a little bit. Were you the class clown? No. So you weren't funny yet? No. You didn't know what stamp comedy even was, maybe? Probably not. Like you, like somebody was like, "Oh, I grew up with my dad watching Richard Pryor Not every night, and I was 14 at the Comedy Club." No, you weren't that guy. You were just like a dude, Australian. You probably get in fights. Yeah, pretty much. We get we get the media we get out there, and the only real exposure you had to stand up comedy was a show called Hey Hey It's Saturday in Australia, which was it's called what? Hey Hey It's Saturday. <laughs> and that used to feed the people out of the country because it was on for three hours on a Saturday night, and it'd be all comics and sketch comedy and all that kind of shit. 
Kind of like the equivalent of like SNL-ish. Dude, when I grew up, Eric Bannon was a stand-up in Australia. Eric Bannon? Yeah. Was he a popular stand-up? Yes, he's funny as hell. That guy's hilarious. Holy fuck. Why does he... D- you know, the truth is, you go, why don't they do it anymore? Because the truth is, once you get, like, real fame, yeah. you don't want to be a fucking stand-up slogging around through the clubs like a piece of shit. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think so either. I think once he made a couple of movies, he was like, I'm done. Yeah, that's fucking, oh, wow. Like, look, think, oh, that's amazing. Jim Carrey, Eddie Murphy, Michael Keaton. Yeah, all Eric those guys. Hanna. Michael Keaton's one of the funniest damn people. That Mr. Mum movie back in the day. Oh, love Michael Keaton. He was, he was a funny fucking con. Night Shift. Yeah, he's hilarious. Yeah, um... I think better comic than actor, to be honest. But anyway, he's, he's thinking the other guys where he, where he plays the Bed Bath and Beyond manager. Is fucking can you hilarious. find clips of Eric Banner doing stand up? Yes. Well, not doing stand up. You can find him doing sketch comedy. Yeah. He worked for a sketch comedy TV show for about three years. Holy shit. Yeah. It's called Full Frontal. Stud. It was he's called Full Frontal. Talented Australians taking on jobs. Yep. Um, so you, you go through high school, you're okay. And so th- joining the military, was that the thing that people did? That was the thing that people did when they fucked up their last year at school, yes. So what did you do to fuck up your last year at school? Fights, uh, drugs? I, I, no, I actually uh, put work into the, cl- into the classes I liked and didn't put work in the classes I didn't like. Just like, kind of gave up on two. Yeah. That okay. kind of leveled me out a little bit. But So college didn't look like a, much of an option? Wasn't an option. It was not an option? No. Oh, so you really fucked up. I really fucked like up. Like you failed. Uh, no, you fail. passed the grade, but like I passed the mm. grade, but at the time I don't think my parents had the money to put me into college anyway. Yeah, so okay. Was and like, was your sister like perfect at the time and doing everything right? She was doing, she was steady. She was steady. All right, so you're you're a little bit of the black sheep, but also all she the got she got <laughs> kept under a little bit because I I took all the heat. Mm. I broke all the rules first so she couldn't break them. That's second. good. I know. I'm I'm the youngest of three, so I fucking get it. It's the fucking <laughs> sweetest gig ever. Hey guys, if you're going to be born out there, just be the youngest. Let me just tell you. Um, so you joined the the, the Australian Army. Yep. And that is around the time of Iraq? No, 95. So, 95. So you joined in 95? Yeah. And what was going on in 95? Was there Not a, a whole lot. No military action? Um, the unit that I got sent to just got back from working in Rwanda in Somalia. Holy shit. So, so, so where are you going? Here was the fucked up part. I get there. Me and a friend get Where's posted, there? A place called Townsville. Um, a unit called 2RAR okay. in Townsville. Um, in far north, far north Australia. Okay. And we get there, we're like one of a group of six new guys who haven't been to Africa. Yeah. And everybody, there's 800 people who have, and they just look at you like you're a piece of shit straight away. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, uh, yeah, no one's going to talk to you for six months. Because you didn't go to Africa. Because I didn't go to How's Africa. How's that your fault? It's not my fault, but that's the way it it's fucking like works. It's hazing, yeah, okay. That's the hazing that's involved. And you open your mouth, you get, back in those days, you get punched in the face, no one gives a shit. Yeah. It's called getting filled in, and you learn real quick. <laughs> what I re- realized after six months was, though, that no one fucked with the guys who played rugby. Ah. And I was all right, so I thought, fair enough. I'm into this. Yeah. And bounced into rugby head on and realized straight away that's the way to get accepted. Oh, very cool. Smart. And, yeah, it worked out okay. So, I was still a shitbag, shitbag lid, as you're called. Shitbag lid? I was a lid. What's a lid? Uh, just new, the, new, the new guy. The new the guy is a lid. Is a lid. I was now, still a I lid. I don't know much about rugby, but what's, what was your position? I played front row. Well, he's a guy, you just run your head into people and yeah, let the guy much. run? I played like a, like a offensive lineman in, uh, yeah. In, yeah. in football. I will say this. I, they just had the, the rugby world championships yep. on NBC in America yep. recently, which I think is new. They haven't been doing it. It was a big deal, yeah. Big deal. And I was like, let me. it's fucking exciting. It's good. It's, it's really a good cool to, fucking sport. Well, the, the World Sevens is going to be here next month. Um, yeah. Actually, the end of this month. Was it February? Weren't? Yeah. February. In LA here. Yeah. Seven aside. So there'll be teams from all over the world coming in for that. 
they're playing at some uh i think the old uh the 49er stadium yeah and you know there's a joke i said i was like english guys they're very nice they're so nice and genteel and polite unless you mention the wrong uh soccer team and all of a sudden you're in a fucking headlock right is that how it is with rugby too uh only between australia and new zealand oh yeah they the new like zealand blicks much. yeah oh yeah who's better oh they're way better at rugby than we are oh really yeah because they got the fucking the no, island because they're Maori only good people. at one thing what? They, but they, rugby they generate everything into that one game Oh, okay. They don't have any cross I mean, purposes. between rugby and three Hobbit movies, the fucking country <laughs> has no exports. Yeah. And they're all out of Hobbit movies. They're done with that shit. So, I mean, unless they re- dig up Tolkien and restart him. Interesting. So, did Australian Rules Football come about? Because they're like, we got to beat fucking New Zealanders or something. I don't know. Australian Rules Football came from Gaelic football. Came from Ireland. Oh, really? Yeah. And, I'm learning uh, so much about, on this fucking podcast. I'm so excited by this. Yeah. No, Australian um, Rules Football came from that. It's a completely different game. Those guys are super fit. Uh, not well, as big because they've got to be so fit. I mean, the field why they have to be more fit because the field's, it feels bigger. The, the field's huge. It's four times the size of a football field. It's massive. Really? Yes. It's fucking Good huge. Lord, I didn't know that. It's like half a golf course. Oh my god! So and they just like run around. They just run around, and kick the ball to each other. It's huge. It's, yeah. It's nuts. Um, so you played rugby. You're in the army. This yep. is '95, and you're just stationed there, hanging out, waiting for military waiting for action. Wait, waiting for something to do. Ended up. Um, and what happened? How did you end up getting deployed? We ended up getting deployed to a place called East Timor in uh, in 2000. And I imagine at this point you hadn't really traveled the world at all, right? Not at all. I, I hadn't gone anywhere. You this is the first time I've been. Walk a road, country. and then maybe the. Had you been I'd to been like. A, I'd been Melbourne. all over Australia. Okay, I'd been all, all over Australia. Australia. Okay. But I hadn't left the country yet. Yeah. And so we went off to Indone- East Timor. It's a little island on the edge of Indonesia. Uh huh. Um, they, they were having a little bit of a, a problem there with. They just got autonomy from Indonesia and. So East Timor is the name of it's a name of a country, one of the newest East countries in the Timor world. East Timor is yep. a country. Okay, wow. They got given their independence to become a country in 2000. Oh wow! And, and you were went trying there to, to regulate. Hold, they were trying to hold elections, and Indonesia wasn't too happy about that. So they uh, call like bring bring Australia. Well, we called the Americans, and you guys went no. <laughs> but you were nice enough to give us a couple of planes and some night vision goggles, which was very so. Much there are no appreciated. American troops there. No, but I did have your goggles, which oh, was nice. nice. Mm-hmm. Used for weapons and goggles. I was told, though, if you lose the goggle, don't come back. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> By the State Department. So, so you go to East Timor. Yeah, so I imagine... Know, the f- that, worked, that, worked, that worked out pretty good. And the, first, the first week, first week, I imagine, just diarrhea. Uh, heat. Uh, it's Indonesia. getting used to that shit. It's hot as fuck. Out hot there. as fuck. Yeah. 24-7. Well, well, I got lucky. Year-round. I ended up uh, at a place called Balabo up in the mountains. Where it was pretty breezy and the was whole time. And was there, like, was there... A coup going on? Was there a tech yeah, The coup? biggest problem they had was reprisals. Um, they were was uh, the Timorese are a majority Christian people. There's uh-huh. only about four or five at the time. I think there was only about five million of them. Mm-hmm. Indonesia's 160 million Muslims. Yeah, they weren't real happy about the UN granting these people autonomy to yeah. form their own country. So they basically just burned the whole fucking thing on the way out. Wow. Uh, we went in there to make sure that that didn't happen. Did you see, was there gunplay? Did you see that? Were you part of that? I didn't see any personally. Yeah. So you lucky. weren't afraid necessarily when you were here, there? Um, no, I, I got, trust me. I, I've done other things that gave me much more chance yeah, to be we're, afraid. Yeah, we'll get to that. So, so that happens, and then you get your feet wet. Now you're, now you're like technically a vet. Well, technically, yeah. And what's the next step for that? Where do you go? Uh, they gave us six months off. Oh, four, sorry, four and, a half, four and a half months paid off. Yeah, because uh, we went nine months straight. Wasted government money. And uh, we came out to Texas to play rugby for four and a half months on a working holiday. Holy shit. Guys, really, join the military in Australia. Really liked it. 
Yeah. You really uh, like Texas. Where in Texas? Uh, Houston. Houston. I had Houston. the choice between Houston and Philly. Never got to Philly. Great job. Because the people in Houston, Houston took us to New Orleans to show us around. Smart people. Yes. <laughs> what was that, like two hours away? Uh, four. Four, okay. Um, so you're, uh, that, must, you, that must have been time of your life because you're a young kid this time. Absolute ball. Playing rugby in the Australian oh, no. next And working as a bouncer. Oh, you started working as a bouncer. Oh, so you, the four you, and a half was months paid we, leave was, and you got extra money as a bouncer. And I was working a, working a legal job as a bouncer. Oh, kind of legal. Kind of legal. Yeah. Yes. Now, you did tell me a story. Uh, and I'm sure you don't care telling these stories. Are there uh, stories? Some that, of these stories, yes. Are there some stories that you can't tell? Yeah, some of them I can't tell. No. You can't even use anonymous names? I can't use anonymous names. Okay. No, Can you say, of, this story happened to a friend of mine, wink, wink, and then tell the story? No. Okay. Uh, some of them, some of, the, uh, some of the th- these things that are, yeah, some of these things I'd prefer not to bring up on a podcast. So, any stories that involves 10 fingers? Can you yeah, bring we can't do that. Okay. Got it. Um, it was uh, it was a story about a song that he wrote. He doesn't want to talk about his, his song his songwriting career. Um, all right, cool. So you um, we can't say in- that people are incredibly receptive when someone breaks a finger when they need need to have information relayed. That's why I was like, I like this guy. And then also you helped me with an audition. I was like, you could be an actor. You're a good actor. You, I was like, you read well. You picked up cues. I was like, you you, so, you know you you're a smart guy. So um. So let's the military thing is fascinating. So you're east, then you're Texas, and you're fucking. Like, at this point, are you like, I just want to move here? Yeah, I came back. I met a chick, liked it, liked it. Um, came back, went down the, went back to Australia, got out of the army. Oh, you got out of the army? Yeah, I just went fuck it. I'm coming back here to play rugby. Came I, thought back you, I thought you went to Iraq. No, no, that's what I did. After, I did that once I got to Texas. So you were Texas, and then you you got employed with the American military. Yes. Well, I didn't know you con- could do that. I, I get employed for I, what I ended up doing was working as a contractor. I started working with um, with Halliburton and KBR, and ended up with those guys, the oil and gas guys, the bad guys, the contractors, the, the, the Dick Cheney folks, the Dick Cheney folks. I got into Team Cheney. How did you get into that? How did you get hooked up? With uh, my my missus at the time got me a job in there, and then uh, I so was you were just, married. Sorry, you, you got married. I got married. Yeah. Was it like I need a green no, card? That no, was proper marriage. Proper it marriage. Was legit. A little bit of green card. No, not at all. It turned pure out pure love. No, 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 pure love. All right, all right. Legit, legit. And uh, but you did get your green card on top of it. I got my green card on top. It was okay. a nice bonus. How long were you married? Almost four years. So, is it true that every relationship ends at about three years, and the rest you just either keep going or you fucking? It, it would certainly appear so in this case. <laughs> it wasn't really my intention at the time, and I wasn't aware that it had actually ended. Oh really? Yeah, my you, you my, got, my got, end date was further on than hers. So you you got blindsided a little bit, yeah. How old are you at this point? Uh, I want to say right about about twenty five. Twenty five when you got divorced. Yeah. Uh, and she she did she came home like letter dear John dear Dan. No, I found out on Christmas Day. <gasps> How? Found her on the phone outside. A cell phone. Yeah, the cell phones. I was already suspicious at that point, but oh, so she, she was having confirmed an affair. it. She got caught. Who was she having an affair it. with? Oh, some bloke at work. And is that guy still alive? Yeah, no, no, he's still, he's still, <laughs> yes, he's still alive. He's actually married to her, and they now have two kids, so they're doing well. Oh, okay. And I'm, you're, are you cool with her? I'm and, very cool with that. I, like I told him, I actually had a, conf- uh, I actually, talked me to and him guy. had a chat once, and I said to him, uh, listen, I said, if in ten years you're still with. Oops, sorry. Yeah. If in 10 years you're still with her, that's great. I said, uh, but if you leave her in six months. I'll find you. 
if you destroy my life for a fuck, I'm going to track you down. I'm going to fucking kill you. And he was like, no, I'm legit. No, he's cool. I wonder if he's now scared into not leaving her. <laughs> I don't think he cares. And, he's got anyway. two kids. So obviously, man, that's a big heartbreak, so bro. That, that, so that happened... That was in the middle of an Iraq trip. I'd done already done two years out there. So you you'd been going to Iraq and coming back. So this four is also five, like four and five. I was in Iraq as yeah. a contractor. Um, Just as a contractor. I was. What, what I was the fuck does a contractor was, for Halliburton do? I was doing housing. I was running a trailer park. Trailer park. Yeah. It was great. I imagine the money's probably pretty good, right? Money wasn't bad. I, yeah. The money wasn't bad, but you go through it. You don't manage it very smart. Yeah. You fuck it up. That's pretty much what I did. Wait, what do you mean? What? Well, you fuck up money. You spend money on shit you shouldn't spend money on. What do you spend money on over in Iraq? How do you blow it? Well, yeah, you blow it at home too, and she, I'm sure she went through a little bit as well. So yeah. it all, it all. And so you, apart. you were married, but you were out of town a lot. I was, I was out of town 90 percent of the time. Okay, so you can't so blame I came, her. I came, I came home, uh, found out that was happening. I'd already quit at that point. And you're I like, took, now I can finally be with you full time. Well, yeah, I took now I took 2006 off just to be pissed off. Yeah. And just work clubs. And then uh, you work clubs after the divorce. Yeah, and you were like, I'm gonna fuck some people fuck up. Fuck some people up. <laughs> and that went on for a while. And uh, okay, give us give us one of the best stories from here that you can. No one's going to fucking report you. What? Just from, say a from good the, from the clubs. Well, come on. What's going to happen? Like the chance that someone who worked in that time from all those years ago and you fucks up. No one's going to be like, oh, we there found you. There was a you. guy we caught. We caught a guy roofing chicks one night. <gasps> oh boy. And this guy was, this was at a club which had three different bars inside. This guy had the same name as the owner. He was a douchebag looking tweed jacket wearing motherfucker. Uh huh. And we're trying to figure out why he was always getting laid. Oh, he's always walking he'd out. Walk with, out with hot Always girls. walking out with a hot chick. And, and we, we talked to one of these girls and I said, You went out with this guy. Um, he went out with this bloke. I call him, we call him Dan because his name was Dan. <laughs> and so was my boss's name was Dan, but we call this guy Fake Dan. And, mm-hmm. they, and they used to humor this guy because he, they knew he was d- telling everybody he was the owner of the club. But they would wow. humor him because he was funny to watch. Yeah. What they didn't realize was he was roofing chicks. So, so not only did he have guy, to lie about owning the club, he also had to roofie chicks. Well, what this guy would do is he'd open up a tab at every, every serving point in the bar. He'd walk in with eight credit cards, open up eight tabs. Uh-huh. So now when he's walking around giving people tours of the place, uh-huh. he's just like, get, get these people some shots now. He never rings up anything. It looks like he's just getting shit from over the bar because he's got a tab open at every fucking bar. How do bar. you have so much money? You don't know. Huh? We never... Trust some baby type of yeah, thing? probably. Yeah. Probably some sort of bullshit fucking You're thing. You're in Houston. There's oil money going on. But we finally caught him. It took a long time. We finally caught him. Watched this bloke for two weeks. So you just watched him around the club. Oh, yeah. And, and we're how, like, how do you catch him? How we catch him? With a fucking set of binoculars. Oh, wow. That's how we caught so him. not security cameras. Like no. Like old school. Yeah. No, I had to get up there with a set of binos and watch this guy. Holy shit. And you saw so we him go just like... So we grab him. I grab him and I say, hey, Dan, how you doing, mate? He always had a problem with me because I didn't like him. I was, yeah, I used he was to, suspicious. Oh, no, I always used to tell him to get fucked all the time. So I didn't, I didn't give too many shits back those days. And uh, we say, well, you, need, you know we're building a new VIP section of the club. He said, you need to come down to the VIP section of the club and uh-huh. check this out. Yeah. And uh, he goes, oh, cool. No worries. As soon as we get in the VIP section of the club, my, my associate, his name is Lewis Smith. Lewis is... Lewis is deceased now, but Lewis was a, about six foot eleven, and he's easy for four twenty. Holy shit! He's a big man. That's about as big as you and get. And he's standing there next to a fucking sheriff, and I just close the door behind him, and he goes, "What's this?" And basically, tapes this guy to a chair. And at that point, we're having a chat. 
Yeah. And it got wild as fuck in there. I mean, yeah, he got slapped around pretty decently in that so room. So when you slap someone around... Now, Dude, I, I, know sl- that's I started slapping people three years ago. It's much more... Doesn't, much hurt, doesn't hurt as much, right? It's psychologically damaging. Psycho- it's it, it's humiliating. As a man, you don't want to be slapped. Well, even when you call the cops, you're like the cops will turn up and go, "Well, what happened?" And he'll be like, "He the, slapped the gen- me." He slapped me, and then the cop will go, "Like a bitch," and I went, "Exactly like a bitch, <laughs> officer." Keep that in mind. I, I slapped a guy in front of a club in Houston once. It was a lawyer. I slapped him so hard he fell over a fucking hedge, got off on the other side of the hedge, came back, apologized, paid cover, and went inside. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. You know, it's funny you said about slapping because I feel the same way about choking. You choke somebody, and I'm not I'm not a tough guy. Look, Choking you, fucks people's heads up. But, like, I did choke out a guy. I've talked about it on the podcast. I don't want to repeat But, like, I did choke out a guy once, and I will tell you this. Having been choked out once during jiu-jitsu and having seen people choke, you, you, you're not, you don't have bruises. No. Nah. You don't have scars. No blood. Mentally. Is- but you wake up, and you're fucking humiliated beyond yeah, belief. Over. You, you, no one wakes up from me choking, like, let's go. Fuck you, man. You choked me out. Let's fight. No. They wake up like, I got to go home. <laughs> I had a guy tap out once when I was removing him from a club. I was choking him out. He'd been <laughs> spitting on people and shit. Like, He's a fucking grub. And I'm choking him out. Next thing I feel a little, little tap, tap, tap on my arm. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You can't, you can't tap out in a street fight. <laughs> I said, you're about to go night, night. Uh, now, there is, of course, one of the most legendary jiu-jitsu practitioners and teachers of all time I, from New Zealand. New Zealand? Uh, he was a bouncer for years and years and years and years. His name's John Donaher. Have you ever heard of John Donaher? No, I haven't. I did meet um, I did meet that Israel guy the other day, though, the middleweight champion from New Zealand, the Nigerian guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the UFC guy, yeah. Yeah, he's bigger than me. Fucking huge. He's six foot five. S- yeah. As a middleweight, and it's got hands bigger than my head. Yeah. Because I got little shitty Trump hands, and he shook my hand, and he grabbed <laughs> me by the fucking wrist. And I'm like, I'll still beat you up, motherfucker. I'm like, you seem like a nice kid. I don't, yeah. I don't want to have to fucking fuck with you. So, um... So you go from New Zealand. Oh, wait, his name's John Donner, but he was, he was a bouncer for years, and he would tell stories about how, um, when he was a bouncer, and he was, he, be, he was like a jujitsu prodigy. He right. was obsessed, you know, 24-7. He never left the house. He just watched videos and trained. Um, but he when he was a bouncer and this is in the 90s when jiu-jitsu no one knows jiu-jitsu right. no one knows what a fucking collar choke is or, and he said a bar broke bar fight broke out and he just went in there and put people in headlock choke them out <laughs> bring them outside get another guy choke them out and the cops would be standing there he'd just have them headlock to, you know, well, that's how, that's how I grew- a fancy club so they have uh, they'd have jackets he'd right. like just pull the play like yeah he just choked out like 10 guys, like take him out, choke him out. Well, that's why I wear a tie when I work as well. And someone said to me, you can't bounce, be a bouncer or wear a tie. And I said, well, what are you going to do if someone grabs it? I said, grab it. And yeah. the guy says, I don't want to grab your tie. And I said, yeah, yeah you don't, butt. do you? Because I'm going to fucking you. headbutt you. I'm going to yeah. follow it in. Yeah, a blazer uh, said, is a much worse thing to wear than a tie. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll ride that thing all the way in. And uh, <laughs> I mean... Officer, he grabbed my tie and the momentum just smashed his nose. I mean, I've had everything thrown at me, man. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. What's the, best the scariest deterrent? moment you've had... Uh, at security at a club, bouncing a club. Um, we had a guy, it wasn't me that got hurt. My yeah. friend got 42 staples from his ear to his to his throat. We were uh, guarding a VIP section with Beyonce and Jay-Z in it at the 2004 Super Bowl in Houston. Oh, yeah. And somebody, Jay-Z and Beyonce just took their $150,000 fucking uh, appearance check and just walked straight out the door, didn't sign an autograph, and people lost their shit. Holy shit. We got three bouncers out there, and people are going for the fire escape. We're trying to keep them out of the fire escape. 
This lady launches out with a champagne flute, misses me, and cut my buddy straight through the throat. A lady? Are you, the fact, I think oh, yeah, then, he punched, term, her, then he punched her in the face and gave her a hair lip for life. I mean, she got fucking leveled by him. And I grabbed him because I didn't see him get cut. So oh, I've boy. grabbed this guy and dragged him, to, dragged him to the fire escape. I'm going, dude, what are you doing punching chicks, you fucking idiot? And I look at his throat and I can see it's, it's elastic. I can see the whole fucking thing is gone straight up like that. So he is almost dying. So I took... 30 minutes for the ambulance to arrive because it was super Jesus traffic. Jesus Christ. And I think oh, I went through God. about I think I went through about 50 bar towels keeping him alive on the side of the street. And oh then we finally God. get in there. We finally get in the goddamn goddamn ambulance. And I just told these guys, I said, listen, you like this club? Yes. You'll drink for free for six months if you get us a hospital in fucking 20 minutes. This guy's driving on the sidewalk. Holy He's all shit. over the place, man. He like, I love that club, man. I'm going to get this done. <laughs> so, yeah, but I looked like Harvey Keitel from Reservoir Dogs at the end of it all, man. I was just... And I didn't you, realize how cool it looked actually until I took a, took a piss about two hours after I got the emergency room. And have have there been full arm ball brawls like chairs? Oh flying? no, yeah, like, yeah. I got I had six guys fight, but fighting in a three foot gap between a Ferrari and the window of a club once, and trying not to scratch the Ferrari while you're sliding down the wall <laughs> like it's a hockey fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people. There was a lot more violence before before uh, cell phone cameras. Soon as really? cell phone cameras, oh yeah, everybody was a lot nicer before cell phone cameras. Now you can act like a dick and be like, yeah, fuck you. What are you going to do? <laughs> Record the whole thing. Oh, I thought you would say people act like a dick now because they're like, no, it's, I'll get, I'll get some press. No, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's worse now because of that, yeah, they're just going to act like a dick and think that you're not going to smack them out with impunity. Oh, um, wow. Sometimes you run into the guy who will punch you in the face. So let's be honest, who pulls out the cell phone more? Is it white, white women? Back end, or is it just like douchey guys? Oh, douchey guys. Douchey guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah douchey guys. Have heartbeat. you ever been threatened to be sued or anything like that? Um, well, I have a rule. I figure my rule these days is if if I have a confrontation with somebody and it goes longer than four seconds, someone's recording. Interesting. And even the guy with the chair that night, someone recorded the back end of it. Yeah. Put it on Snapchat. Oh, wow. And, and you're like, huh? What the fuck did that come from? And it was just this guy yelling the shit out of me after he just be, after he just bounced off the door frame on the way out the door. And yeah. Now, what was, is your training as a, as a fighter? Like, what type of training do you, do you just all military? I did all I did over the years, mate, was just practical. Whatever you're doing at the time. Yeah, but you were trained in the army, I'm assuming. A little bit, but not by much. I mean, yeah. the tra- my dad helped me out with boxing and just limited training in that. But you'd learn what works out. Yeah, and the truth is, when there you're is your size, stuff. you don't have to learn fucking inver- inverted hill hooks. What I did that. learn was I can take a punch. I learned that from rugby, and that oh, helps. Yeah. That helps if you've got a solid chin. Yeah, for sure. Because that's half the battle. When you eat someone's best punch, and then you walk through it, and a lot of those bounces, I tell them, I said, "Listen, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get to throw the first one." Yeah. But to be honest, from about last ten years, anyway, I realized that it's much more. You can you can get much more out of people just being nice. Of course, but, always. But like I said, that, that four-second rule I've got, you've got a better chance of finding a fucking tape of Bigfoot than me fighting somebody on YouTube. I was it's about to say, is there, is there any like... No, no I pull no, right no. back out. after four. If it, ain't, well, if it ain't over after four seconds... Yeah, and, 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 and usually I, you I've seen you handle people, and I, can t- and I can tell it's like you, you put on a smile, yeah. you, you, you look like you're like, hey, like just size differential alone, and also like I'm in... Hollywood, they're not going to hire a schlep. Like right. this won't you. This won't look good for you. Right. So, um, my my jo, dojo, my jujitsu master, he's like you know a six stand black belt, and and 
where we there are crackheads everywhere around the dojo, and they come in yeah. sometimes. They're fuck, crackheads are ripped. Oh yeah, I don't know how many sit ups you do after you do crack. I had to smack oh, one in the, I had to smack one in the wall of a subway about three months ago over here at two o'clock in the morning up on Highland. You had to, Dan. Did he was fighting my to? subway guy, man. The subway guy was oh, halfway through him. making. He was halfway through making my sandwich. And well, I think he meant like a subway station. No, subway no, sandwich. Sandwich artist Hilarious. jumped the counter <laughs> because the crackhead threw a threw a bottle of water at him. There was some history, and my sandwich. <laughs> Still has is has just finished time in the toaster. It has to have the, the shit put on it, and yeah. I realized very quickly that the crackheads are better fighter than the sandwich artist. So if I don't break this up, I'm not getting a fucking sandwich. Yeah, it's because you're I'm not like subway. Cr- I I'm like get some crack. But you're I'm at not subway at two a.m. You're not subway like you're fucking hungry. Dude, that's fucking wild as fuck. That one up there. And, oh, uh, I know. And how, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, sitting I there, and legend. I just grabbed the guy. I said, I grabbed the guy, <laughs> quick little armbar around the back, and then just smack smack on the window. Get out. <laughs> I walked back and I said, you may continue making my sandwich. And this guy's like, thanks, man. And then gave me a free sandwich and two cookies. (laughs) That's amazing. But so my my crackheads will come along and people will be like, hey, you got to get out. And they'll like, whatever. They'll start doing push-ups and like, fuck. And then my my master will just walk up like, excuse me, this is my place. You have to show me respect. And they'll fucking skedaddle. He just yoda that shit. He has this weird fucking like <laughs> Jedi mind trick solid shit. energy where you're like, yeah, like Jedi mind trick. But like the, yeah. you can tell when someone can really kick your fucking ass. Right. You can tell when someone's bluster. And I mean, when you're a, a six degree black belt, jujitsu black belt from a red belt right. from Brazil. Like mm. anyway, so I, I do want to get hit into. I know you got to go soon, but like, so in the midst of this comedy started happening. Yeah. What made you get into comedy? Well, I had a little. I always liked doing comedy. I've done stand-up a couple of times the last couple of years, whenever I got a chance. Whenever I was at a place I had no That mic. sounds very casual, because usually the first, very time casual. On, the first time you get on stage is usually a big but moment But you've also got to remember, I'm working the front door of, night, of nightclubs as well, which is almost like crowd work in itself, Yes. if you work in the same places. So I'm doing that every night. So my public speaking yes. is, is fine. I've yes. got no problem with dealing with po- total strangers, going back and forth. I'm good at that. And you got you so got people, you humor to alleviate situations. Right, people who are coming up all the time are going, you should get into comedy, man. This stuff is funny. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be funny. They go, you're not trying to be funny. That's what's making it fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's authentic. And so about back in back in uh, April, I had a small scare where I thought I was having a heart attack. Oh shit! And it turns out it was just excess stress and high blood pressure. I ended up in the uh, in, a, in a cardio unit in Houston for four nights. And I'd been smashing myself. I'd been doing four jobs. Things hadn't been going the right direction. And I just went, you know what? I saw a buddy of mine out here doing well with comedy. Called him and Who's said... Who's your buddy? Uh, Fadi Malkosh. Okay. Um, yeah. He does um, a podcast for Sam Tripoli. Okay. As well. So he's got a little thing going. Um, but yeah, Fadi, I used to work with him in the clubs back in Houston. And yeah, he said, come on out, man. We'll see if we can get you set... So my intention coming out here was to see, okay, I'll come out. I worked hard for about six weeks. I got my ticker right, got a clean bill of health out of that. They reckon that she's fine. Yeah. And uh, and they said, come on. I, said, I thought, I'll come in here for two weeks and see if I can make people laugh. If I can make yeah. people laugh, then I'll stay. If I can't... So you had to quit your jobs bouncing in oh, yeah. Texas. I so the everything. hard thing was sort of like wake-up call in a way. Yeah, I left everything. I said, listen, I need to do something I like. And you drove out. Okay, just so you know, and, and I don't hope you, you don't mind me saying this, no. right? Dan Dan uh, is living in his uh, SUV. Yes. Uh, or truck. What is it? It's an SUV, thank God. A- SUV. Um, this didn't buy a mini. So, by the way, we should have your Venmo account on this so people can donate <laughs> you money. Dan's the nicest guy. He. It's actually. I feel really great that he he lives in he lives in the parking lot where I live. I don't live in the park. I live in a, a 
right. it's about the size of the, your fucking SUV. My it's apartment. Not, it's not optimal what I'm doing right now, but I'm hoping that it'll help me. If over you're some comfortable, doors. we love it because I have a, a new car and a bike. I wouldn't say I'm comfortable <laughs> in it, but but uh, but it's I've made it comfortable. Does yes. that make sense? Yes. So um, we'll have your Venmo account. What is your Venmo account? People can donate. Come on, guys. Yeah, I need to do that. To We're the good. Art. Patrons, patron for arts, man. I believe in it. So um, so you. You, what was the first time you got on stage? Though? Where were you? Uh, Burt's Back Room on yeah. August 13. Which is a popular... Um, okay. Yeah, I did Burt's Back Room on August 13. And you're like, so this there's a lot riding on the first time because you're like, I got if I don't make people laugh, I'm going back to fucking Houston. Well, yeah. I, I, and I sat there and then I did a podcast with Fadi that night at the, at the store, down in the store studios. Yeah. And he got and me on as a guest. And they're funny your story. And they're, going and they're like, holy shit, dude, you just chunked your whole life and then came in here to do this? And you were actually funny on your first go? And I'm like, yeah. So what were your, what were your, see, because my first, my first, like, maybe decade, I wasn't funny. So what was, um, the, like, what jokes did you have? I told, I told, uh, I told a story about, I just got, I just got here. I told jokes about, um, Texas plates on your car is not a fun thing in, in California. People load you up. And I parked in a compact spot when I first got here at Ralph's. And the guy said, that's it's for compact cars only. And I said, this is a compact car in Texas, mate. <laughs> and left it there and just walked straight past him. But uh, no, I told uh, I got rejected for the Australian IMAX movie as a narrator back in Houston back in the day. I you got rejected it. as a what? Narrator for the Australian IMAX movie. Okay. A guy beat me who was better at an Australian accent and he was American. Hilarious. I was too Australian. And I go into a big, I went into a big thing about that on my first, my first stand-up. That's funny. And... I got people to do Australian accents in the crowd and stuff, or the, the, the seven people that were there, and it worked out really well. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah. And my buddy could tell, other than the fact that I was walking all over the stage, hiding behind fucking everything, and it looked like completely like I shouldn't be there. At least the, <laughs> at least the speech was going properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, um, so you have, how much, when you go on stage, particularly as a new comic, there's, I feel like there's a few, few paths, right? One path is you have people who are just fucking natural-born writers. They're one-liners. Right. They can just write fucking jokes. Can't do that. Um, then they have storytellers. That's me. And then they have people who are just derivative knockoffs, throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks, which is probably what I was doing. You yeah. Know? Um, like, when I came up doing comedy, everyone was some sort of permutation of Dan Cook. Everyone's, right. like, kicking in f imaginary doors and, like, <laughs> screaming and punching the air. Um, and by the way, I think Dan Cook is a brilliant comic. Right. But, but these people were like, uh, let's see what you do, motherfucker. I did that at Westside last night. You know what? When I turned around and go, I'm doing my open mic last night, half the room had left, or uh -huh. three quarters of the room had left. The only people that stayed were on both edges. One side of the room, that side of the room. No one in the middle. <laughs> so I had to keep running from one side of the stage to the other. Oh, that's funny. Turn around. And, and so like, you tell stories, I guess. I, I've, I learned um, very quickly. I've done, I think I'm up to about 118 open mics in just over five and a half months you I've performed at 118 118 holy shit so my job basically i came out here i'm like radio i'm laser focused on so what you, i'm trying to the, do you said i need two weeks to see how i make people laugh you may where was a moment where you're like i'm fucking staying straight I, away straight away the first time you're like, I'm, i love I'm this hooked. shit so much man yeah i was telling theo vaughn the other day uh, we were talking uh, at the laugh factory and he asked me how it felt after the first time i went up i did a show over at flappers and he yeah. said i said my life's I live in my car my life's a total shit show off, yeah. the, off, off the stage up there I'm bulletproof you can't get me 
And he goes, holy fuck. Man, I'm I can't like, wait to yeah. see you, dude. Um, by the way, Jamie Kennedy lived in this car. Katie Cazorla lived in this car. I think uh, Ran Tiff had it the other night, actually, while I was just Tiff about Nash. to go to bed. She's like, it gets better. And I'm like, thanks, Tiff. <laughs> <laughs> Easy for you to say, Tiffany. But um, but the cool, the cool part is, is that um, it'll be eight months. So I got here in August. On August 13 was my first open mic. And eight months to the day will be my first go at the Comedy Store, which is next Friday, th- Friday the 13th. We're not allowed March. to plug the Comedy Store on this podcast, bro. I'm We're kidding, not. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But that's where I'm going to be. be so, the- so eight months to the day, I'll go from Burt's Back Room, open mic, first day to... The belly room. To the, to the original room. Original room of the Comedy Store. Yeah. And this is, is this, what show is this? This is the, the D's Nuts show. With, D's Nuts. With, uh, how, how many minutes do you have? Uh, six this time. I had seven on Tuesday, but this be, it's a Friday night show at the store. I'm happy. Six minutes. Yeah, it'll be packed. Yeah, hopefully it'll be all right. Yeah. I mean, Sore is rocking and rolling right now. So I got people flying minutes. out from Houston to come watch it, and I said, you do realize it's oh, only six minutes. Wh- when is it? Is this Friday? No, Friday the 13th, next month. Oh, March. March, yeah. Hey, I could, I'll try to make that, I got man. People coming out, yeah, people are coming out from Houston to do who, who I've prior associates, and I'm like, you do realize it's just six yeah they're like nah fuck that man we're coming yeah (laughs) man it's so inspiring that you did that i gotta tell you it's the the stereotype or the supposition that everyone have probably about you oh it's cute you're doing stand-up they probably think like there's no way this guy is funny there's no way this guy is going to fucking i mean that's probably the thing because like people are so fucking weird and arrogant about that but you feel like you've you found it, man. You well, I didn't like- tell anybody for two months when I got here. Jay yeah. Davis was the only one who knew that I was doing comedy. Yeah. So I'm working at the Laugh Factory and didn't tell a soul. Mm-hmm. Because the last thing I want to do is be the guy walking through the door going, help me be funny. Yuck, yuck. <laughs> I was like, right, yeah, let me see if I can fucking do this I shit. Yeah, you never mentioned No, me I never mentioned it at all. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't mention it until I booked my first show. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm finally up. And Jamie, Jamie was hilarious. Jamie walks past and goes, Huh, that's cool. And just walks off. And <laughs> Jamie, <laughs> keep at it. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, the two words from him were enough. I was like, all right, that's cool. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. He's a you didn't of... do the open mic here at the Laugh Factory? No, right? I haven't done it yet. Okay. I kind of don't. I, I just, I like having the Laugh Factory as a place as I a work. a separate place, and yeah. a place that I can use to and connect with people. And you get to watch people. some, oh, some the, great people. The stuff I'm learning there. Yeah. What would you say from watching comics at the Laugh Factory? I know you got to go soon. What do you th- think are the things that you've learned that you go, oh, this is something that you learned from watching that you didn't learn from doing. Ruben Paul taught me how to stand next to a mic stand. Doesn't know it, but he did. Oh, interesting. Ruben Paul's the best I've seen. Seen. See, with me, I I move around a lot and I shouldn't move, yeah. and he uses it to anchor himself when he doesn't want to move. He does. And he's, he's really good at it. Yeah, he's got that big dick energy. Yeah, and that's what I have to do because when I move on stage, because of my size, it's yeah. very apparent that I'm moving. Oh, yeah. And it, I imagine it makes people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, you, you can cover a stage in two steps. And, <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit, that just happened. Yeah. But there's a spot up there on the second floor where when I'm not working, I'll go out and watch comedy where you can see from the side. You the second the, floor of the Laugh Factory, yeah. Second floor of the Laugh Factory up near the DJ booth. You can see from the side. I can see the expression on the comic's face and the expression on the, all the audience. So when something doesn't land, uh-huh. you can see how the comic reacts, how he turns the whole thing around and brings it back to where he needs to be. Interesting. And it's a really cool place to learn comedy. And just sit, I just sit up there and just people go, oh, this is the worst seat in the house because the air conditioning vents right above it. And I'm like, I don't mind. Now, you've seen me a few times. Yes, now. I have. What would you say, if you were to kind of go, give me advice, or go, or, or whatever, like imp- impressions, like I never hear like perspectives because people, comics don't talk to them. What would you say, um, is there something where you go like, you know, Bill, 
You should try this. I've been telling you what TV show you need to watch for your Scottish accent. I don't know if you've looked at it yet. Still Game. Still Game is what... And if you have Scottish listeners, they'll tell you Still Game is on point. There's some weird thing that I've been doing recently where... I've been booked on a lot of late night shows. Yeah. I think because I headline a bunch... Uh, I, I I don't want to say I feel insulted by it, but I kind of <laughs> but I kind of feel like you're gonna put me at 12:50 a.m. on a fucking Friday. Uh, I'm like, I don't want to go up there and do my regular shit Tropicana headlining set nope. because I want to do something. And I, I think the sets are sort of compromised a lot of times because I do that. Um, what I found out is that people who are still there at a comedy club at 12.50 in the morning want to laugh. They want to laugh. I've noticed, that, I've noticed that. That's the difference between when you see a show that's in a bar or somewhere like that. Those are people yeah. who are just drinking. Yeah. But when you do a show that's at an actual comedy club, someone had to come to. Yeah. I mean, there you go. I mean, that's great. You see some of those late night crowds and you're like, oh, these people are really into this shit. Yeah. No, I love, I love, dude. I, I think one night when you're there, I will do an Australian accent. <laughs> I'm not good at it. Australian's the one that I've Mate, never really got good Bill, at. Bill, I'll teach you how to do it right now, man. It's very easy, okay? Yeah. You just need to repeat these three words in your accent. Yeah. Not in mine, yeah. in yours, okay? Uh-huh. Good, I, and might, as in good, I might get up in the morning. Good, I, might. Now, do it fast. Good, I, might. Good, I, might. Good, I, might. It's close. Good, I, might. Yeah, it's close, but I'm not going to give you the rest of the. But rest the, of the, the one that like really suits me naturally, I just do. If I go to a bar and no, do Irish. If I do fucking Irish, I was well, like, it depends, man. Chip. I mean, you've got you've got the hoity-hoity South Irish. So see, I can do the man with a very particular set of skills. It was an absolute <laughs> nightmare to beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, you're either not you're either you're either Liam Neeson smacking people into door handles, now, or you're or you're hoity-hoity. <laughs> so when you're doing um, you, you, you like you're a storyteller, right? Yes. Now, how do you find the punchlines for your stories? Because a lot of times... That's the thing that I got taught by, by Rita down the improv. Yeah. She sat down with me one day and she said, you need to figure out how to fucking edit. He said, because your shit's hilarious. He said, but, but it, but it rambles. And it yes. rambles. And mm-hmm. what you end up doing is you realize... I, I type everything so I can figure out where the, where the lift is. And you is, listen to it? Where the lift is. And you're like, okay, that's where I need to stop that fucking story there. Boom. Because then I don't need to explain how it finished because no one gives a shit. Because if you just say going on the next thing. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just going to go, and we walked home with the dog and everybody lived happily ever after. And everybody's like. Yeah, oh. anyway, what else is going on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So I've had to do that. So um, and sometimes you can take the lift and you can place it later in the, in yeah. the story too. And I've started timing everything now. So at least I know now if I'm walking in, they go, right, you've got three and a half minutes. Okay, I can tell at least three jokes and I know I'm going to land right on top of my mark. Bang. Oh, wow. And so I've been timing everything and basically cutting it and down. And you record all your sets? Yeah, I did. Do you listen to them all? Uh, listen to the ones I know went well, and I want to make sure I remember those things again. But I, yeah. I use, because I've done so much over my life, I use these, I use them, I go to a lot of improv mics, those ones where they draw the subjects out of a bucket and throw them oh, at you. Oh, yeah. Random shit. Because that just, all I need is a keyword to bring up a story. Yeah, because it helps enough. for writing down later because all my all my set lists are all bullet points because I already know what I'm going to say. I just need that bullet point to trigger the memory. Yeah. Bang. Okay, now I'm going to talk about this, but I need to cut it. This bang. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to make work, and it's a little bit different way of doing things, but um, it may just be the way that works out for me. Yeah. No, it sounds like I think that storytelling is the way to go now for stand up because it lends itself to more authenticity. I think um, it's very hard to be like just a joke writer. Well, that's writer. the thing. I, I told a story. Told a story last night at Westside about me jumping out of a plane with no underpants on, <laughs> in a pair of short shorts, and it happened. And it's very easy to remember because it goes for almost three minutes, and you don't have to write down anything because I'm pretty much doing the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I love shit like that. I got a whole. I got, but 
there are things that work on podcasts. I had a list I wrote out, bought it in my mind in my car one night. Jokes that work on podcasts, jokes that work at, jokes that work on stage. And they're two different lists of things. Interesting. What do you think the big difference is? Um, podcasts, it can just go nowhere. Podcasts, it can go in either direction. Yeah. I, I, I told a story about pistol whipping two Croatians one night at a fucking open mic, and that didn't go down very well. In LA? In, no, no, no. I, did it in Houston. Oh, you just said in Houston too. No, no, but no, I no, I didn't do the set in Houston, but I pissed it with the two guys in Houston. Um, and that didn't go down very well. It turns out may have terrified the shit out of the people that I were think there. Pistol whip is a very scary That's a scary word in LA, yeah. It's a scary word. Unless you've been pistol whipped with a water pistol, I mean, it's a pretty scary word. But so you also have two Croatians, so there's some. Well, there was three bit. of them. I just didn't hit the third guy. And the third guy looked at me and uh, was on a bodyguard job, and the third guy looked at me and said, what are you going to do to me? And I went, nothing. you got to drag these two blokes out. <laughs> I said, did you s-? But where I did it, I couldn't shoot the guy because he didn't have a gun and he was coming towards me going, you're not going to shoot me? And I went, uh-huh. I've never done this before. Smack, smack. Yeah. And it was just, I looked at the third guy. I said, that's just like on TV, mate. Did you see that guy? He went down like a bag <laughs> of shit. And he, I'm laughing. He's not. Yeah. And yeah. And on stage, I'm laughing because honestly, it was a fucking hilarious. There might be one or two veterans in the crowd. They'll find that shit funny. Of course, yeah. There's, there's one psycho in the back corner laughing and everybody else is just crickets. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you should definitely look into, Dan, is you should try to get involved with the USO and Armed Forces and yeah. all the different veterans stories. No, a, a friend of mine um, runs a, a very successful uh, little production company called Vet TV. They're doing some really cool stuff here. Yeah. I'm trying to get, get, get in with him and help him out with some writing and stuff like that. So we'll see. Yeah. I've still got to meet with, those, got, meet with him and have a beer and see if maybe I can help those guys out with something. Yeah, man. Wow, it's very cool. So let's, uh, you, you, we got to wrap this up. So what, yeah, about, what, yeah. what are some Five things minutes. that you got to like, um, like what, what's the plan here? Now, obviously we're getting you out of your goddamn SUV from the parking lot. That's going to happen soon. Um, so what is, what, what do you, how do you see that going? That's kind of, how do I see that happening? Yeah. Uh, I've got some ideas on how that's going to happen. That's just going to be a leverage-based situation. Yeah. But um, I've got to go home to Australia. I've got to get, get to go home from Australia in two weeks, uh, for two weeks in April. Uh-huh. I'm hoping to book a couple of shows there. I'm hoping the show at the store should give me enough credibility at that Where point. Where are you going to go in, in Australia? Brisbane. I was about to say, if you went to Melbourne, I'd cook you up. Well, no, my parents live in Brisbane, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be landing in Australia with about five bucks in my back pocket. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, the, 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 the travel options are limited. It's going to be, okay. I've been home in five years, so if I don't spend two whole two weeks at my parents' house, I'm probably going to get murdered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, doing comedy down there would be great because my parents can't, my, my dad doesn't travel that well, that well anymore and I don't want to have to make him come over here to watch me do comedy. And they've never seen you do comedy, obviously. No, just, uh... No, yeah, my dad. Uh, my dad's hilarious. What do they think about it? Are they just my like my dad what? really likes it? It's cool. He was one of the ones who always suggested I should always do this. Oh wow! Because you need to do with that because he watches stand up all the time, and he fucking hates it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like this person sucked. He said you you do better than them. I'm like, oh, I don't yeah. know that, but I'll try. So yeah, but um, they're really into it. So it's really cool. That's really but, awesome. So I want to go home and do that. And I'd like to do something in Houston in November. In November, they have a comedy festival in Houston. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was a rugby coach as well. So there's at least 90 rugby players that will actually come out and watch me do comedy. So Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to watch you do comedy now, particularly after yeah. this podcast, man. No, it's, uh, I love it, man. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's great. I think uh, the world needs it. Oh, for sure. Particularly right now. It's when shit's going all over, when shit's all over the place, you need to have a laugh at the end of the day. And I think, uh, I don't think people realize exactly how hard it actually is. I'll tell you that much. That's one thing I have realized out here. Yeah. And oh, got, I can't tell you how many people go like, 
I'm so funny. People tell me I'm so funny all the time. I fucking da da. And I, if I just went there, I just told my life story. I'd fucking kill. I'd be like, no, you fucking wouldn't. If you sit back and think how hard you have to work to make it, you sit there just going, it'll make your head hurt. Yeah. And I did the other day, and I'm like, snap out of it. Think about yeah. four months ahead of you from now. Don't think. Just, try if you try and think four years ahead, your fucking brain will explode. Think about writing the the best material and think about yeah. doing what you can every day to kind of progress professionally, but. You can't think about, am I going to make it? The whole term is like, am I going to make it? It's such a fucking weird bullshit term. Exactly Maybe because right. I haven't made it. But, um, but you know, there are times where people go, oh, you've made it. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a- 8 million different levels of making it. Exactly right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I'm enjoying the hell out of LA. The weather's beautiful out here and the people are, people are great. Now, do you have anything we plug like Instagram or anything like uh, that? Instagram, Dan Green Comedy. Uh, YouTube, Dan Green Comedy. Yeah. And are you post on YouTube? Uh, yeah, I've got some, got some videos out there. Dan Green comedy man. I gotta hey. drop another one. I gotta drop another one actually tomorrow. So yeah. Are you a rapper? You're dropping a video. Dropping Jeez. videos. <laughs> um, but you yeah, know it's uh it's coming. Things are coming together. And um, yeah, we're gonna do some 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 YouTube vignettes coming up and stuff like that. So yeah. Very cool, man. Yeah, I think just keep telling your stories and you're 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 a unique presence on the scene. That's what that casting agent told me. I went and saw. Who's well, casting agent? Not casting agent. I mean, uh, he was a talent agent or something like that. He told me I was a niche within a niche. Yeah. And I went, huh? And he said, you look like the guy that James Bond kicks the fuck out of before he gets to James Bond. I guess the, <laughs> I guess the last the last villain. I'm like, I think that's a compliment. All right, thank you. Yeah, who the fuck knows, man? Well, uh, yeah, if they need a guy with a rude head who's, who's occasionally bent a few fingers back, I think I can be a shoe in for that kind of role around here. I think I really want to try and get into acting. So It's all up and deep, right? But yeah, that's um, the plan. But So you got to go to work at the Laugh Factory? I gotta go, now I got to go stand in front of the club for about six hours. Oh, it's the cold. It's 65 degrees. It's a wind tunnel on sunset. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, thanks so much, man. You're great, Dan. Bill, this is fantastic, mate. Cheers, man. Cheers. See you soon. Thank you.